0: All right, Buffalo Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Anthony Marino, happy to be here with you once again, talking everything Buffalo Bills. And it is that time of season. We've been talking a lot about free agency, what that's going to look like, not just uh, here on this show, but on all of our shows at buffalorumblings.com. And now it's time to start really looking as we are just one official week away from the start a free agency. Of course, the legal tampering period starts on Monday the 15th and a lot of activity taking place across the NFL at this time. As we can here at buffalorumblings.com, we will jump in with different podcasts as as moves are made and depending on how big those moves are. Um, Obviously, we did a breaking podcast for the extension for Micah Hyde. Um, We did not do one for Andre Smith and him signing a two-year Uh, deal with the Bills, valued at around $3 million. No real specifics yet at this time on the guarantees for his contract. But as we have news, we will jump on where we can. Maybe it'll be myself. Maybe it'll be uh, Bruce Nolan. Maybe Matt Warren. Jay Spence the King. Who who knows, right? Whoever might be around or a few of us might jump in together. Um, (laughs) I do remember in the past it was uh, when Tredavious White signed his extension, uh, Bruce Nolan and I jumped on together and the details were coming on as we were recording. That was uh, incredibly fun as we took care of that last season and, uh, and would love to, to do some more of those in the coming days. Um, some breaking news this morning and recording this right now early on Tuesday morning. So, you know, there could be additional updates that come throughout the day. Ian Rappaport. Um, from NFL Network reporting Bills Center Mitch Morris cut his salary by nearly $2 million to stay in Buffalo. So we knew that this was one of those pieces, right, that maybe, maybe Mitch Morris was one of those candidates that could have been cut by the Buffalo Bills um, if they were looking to free up some space. We know that they are going to have to make some moves um, to, to be able to sign draft picks, to be able to do things in free agency. Really, what that is, Leading to is him taking a, a cut for the 2021 season. No word yet on what that could mean on the future years of his deal. He is signed through 2022. But looking at this right now, he has a cap hit this year of around $11.4 million. If that is something that brings him around to nine and a half, he has a base salary of $7.3 million and a signing bonus of 1.7. Um, he's got an option bonus of almost 1.9. So more details to come, but really uh, what I would call one of the first dominoes for the Buffalo Bills and saving some dollars as it relates to the salary cap and what they can do this upcoming season. Now, that was not the the topic of, of this podcast, although the timing worked out that I jumped online and, and saw that real quick and could share that with each of you. Um, but today I want to talk with Bill's fans about something we're not, uh, I feel like we used to be okay with in the past, but as of late has not been our strong suit, and that is having some patience. And uh, I find myself to be a little guilty of this at times as we come off a 13-3 and regular season, two wins in the playoffs, uh, making it to the AFC championship game, right? You feel that that Super Bowl window is open for the team right now. So when you look to the draft, more importantly, when you look to free agency and you talk about team needs, um, it's not always easy to be patient. I don't always find myself being patient, right? I'll get in conversations with others on Twitter, or I'll even be talking about things on this podcast. I'll have different things I'll propose in the articles I do at, uh, at Rumblings, right? You can check them out, either Mock Draft Monday, but more specifically Mocking the Bills, where we do different mock draft scenarios each week. As we go through all of this, we've got to have a little bit of patience with our young players. And I think I've seen this most notably around um, four guys on the Bills that fans have not shown a lot of patience with. Again, I include myself with some of these folks. Um, And the four guys really are tied to that 2019 draft class, right? Ed Oliver, former first-round pick. Cody Ford taken in the second round, and then Devin Singletary and Dawson Knox in the third. To a lesser extent, I could include Zach Moss and A.J. Epinesa in this, but I I think fans have a little bit more patience with these guys than they do the other four. And it's hard, right, because you don't want to be patient. You you feel that, man, the Bills are so close to returning to the Super Bowl. And if you get to the Super Bowl, the the thought of winning a Super Bowl, right, it kind of boggles my mind just a bit. When you think of where the team was before Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean came in. But lately, I've heard fans be a little bit impatient, especially as it comes to some draft picks, especially to that 2019 class and what that means for the Bills. Now, I say this right here are four players in their second year with the Bills that you could argue that none of the four took a step up. Right. I think that is safe to say. Um, All showed flashes as rookies, all showed promise that they were, um, you know, maybe fans were a little bit more down on Cody Ford, his rookie year, but I think it's safe enough to say, right, that all four showed promise and all four maybe had a dip in their sophomore season for a number of different reasons. Um, And I think if we go through, you can say, oh, that's making excuses. I, I don't really know if it's making excuses, but let's just talk through some of those real quick. Ed Oliver forced to play out of position in many situations, even lining up at one tech uh, far too often because the Bills just did not have someone that could fill that spot. In the absence of Star Latulale, um, you did not see production from either his defensive tackle that was there with him, whether it be uh, Butler or Harrison Phillips, just just not able to play up to that, that level and forcing him out of position more than, than needed to. Uh, Cody Ford, after spending most of his time at right tackle as a rookie, made the switch to left guard before he was injured midway through the season. Um, He was then replaced by Ike Botker. But, you know, with that, Ford, I've talked about it before, right? I don't like seeing him bounce around all over the place. Give him a spot on the offensive line, and we'll get into that just a little bit. But the injury cut his season short. Right, but Cody Ford looked like he was entrenched at the starter at left guard at the time. Um, Devin Singletary um, certainly did not have as productive a season as a sophomore as he did in his rookie year. Um, much more splitting carries when it came to you know time with Zach Moss. The Bills focusing much more on the pass game than on the run game. And finally, Dawson Knox, who. You know, that tight end position, that room was kind of called out, put on blast a little bit by Brandon Bean in his year-end press conference. Um, and you had Knox, who was battling some injuries with a concussion, a COVID diagnosis, and uh, again, showing flashes, um, a, a trusted red zone target of, of Josh Allen, and but just not taking that next step. None of these four guys took that step from year one to year two. On top of all of it, you know, we can say, well, you didn't have the OTAs, you didn't have that same offseason, you didn't have the same training camp, you didn't have the same preseason. All, all of those pieces, right, that if you want to look at them as excuses, you can, or, you know, quite factually, you, you did not have those things. You were doing those things over Zoom, and it was certainly a different, a different year. And As I look at all of that, I'm not saying that, hey, you know, all four of these guys should just be given starting spots, or the Bills should be infinitely patient, or fans should be infinitely patient. But I think we've got to be a little bit patient. And I say that because it's very often that you see NFL players have a bit of that slump in their second season, and they have a bit of the the slump without the COVID-19 pandemic really changing the way teams do things. You think back, a guy that had a big second season slump was Deion Dawkins. Very promising as a left tackle, as a rookie, replacing Cordy Glenn. His second season, and again, right, there were changes. We knew that Richie Incognito was gone, Eric Wood was forced into retirement. That line was in shambles, and it showed and it showed with the play of Deion Dawkins to the point going into that 2019 draft, right there. We thought the Bills, if they did not get Ed Oliver, that they were going to draft Jonah Williams out of Alabama, having played under Brian Dable in the past, and he would come in and be the starting left tackle, and that Deion Dawkins would be shifting over to left guard. Here we are, just a couple seasons later. Right. Deion Dawkins has signed that um that contract for himself when when you think about it, right? Like a um I'm trying to think that I mean huge contract. Four years, 58.3 million dollars. Right. Here's a guy that two years ago fans were clamoring to shift him to left guard. So I use that as one example. Another is Tradavius White. And and it's a little bit further back, right? Because he was taken again in 2017. White has a great rookie season, a great rookie season. His second season left a bit to be desired, not to the point where people were talking about benching him or making a change, but it was a dip that he had in 2018. Really that entire Bill's defense or the team had a dip, but when you take a look at it, right, going from four interceptions and a forced fumble as a rookie, only two interceptions, his sophomore season, um, less tackles. Just, it was, Listen, he was still a fantastic player, but you saw a dip in his production from 2017 to 2018 before he came back with a flurry in 2019 and became the all pro that we know and love and then earning that contract extension um, that I was talking about before, right? I mean, now you've got Tredavious White as a the cornerstone of the Bills defense, a four year, $69 million contract, but had a dip as a sophomore. Finally, the third guy that had a dip as a sophomore was Matt Milano. We all remember Milano being uh, being benched early on in training camp. Talk of him, you know, platooning. I can't even remember who he platooned with. Some journeyman, linebacker. That's how preposterous it, it kind of seems to to that extent. But Matt Milano was in that same situation. He had a slump as a sophomore that he had to work out of now it seems like unfortunately he will probably be leaving the buffalo bills in free agency unless some type of you know crazy change takes place that i'm i'm not expecting but he's about to get paid somewhere in the neighborhood of what 13 to 15 million dollars per season and another player that slumped during his sophomore year with the buffalo bills as i talk about all of it it is not that type right where we are just saying again be infinitely patient with these guys, but we have to be a little bit patient. And I say this because if we are going to throw these four guys to the side and say, we need to make an immediate expensive upgrade on one of these positions, or use a high draft pick to replace one of these four guys, well then there's another area that the bills aren't able to address. And I'm thinking most notably when we talk about free agency here. You've got guys on rookie contracts. It's relatively cheap as it relates to the salary cap. And again, we don't know exactly what the salary cap looks like yet. But with all these moves taking place across the NFL, I have to imagine it's coming pretty soon um, that maybe the owners and GMs know. And that's why you're starting to see a lot of shuffling at this time. So we talk about this. And most notably, the player that people seem to be the least patient with is Dawson Knox right now. And maybe that's because they're jumping on board with the comments that Brandon Bean made. But I am Team Dawson Knox, and I know I am in the minority here. I don't know why I'm in the minority, because I've got people out there and and people that, uh, you know, hey, everyone has their opinion on what they'd like to see the team do. I'm not saying it's wrong. Just to me, it's not what I would do. You know, they'll talk about a free agent and someone like Jonu Smith and paying him eight or $9 million a year to come from the Tennessee Titans. You know, you look at his production that he had with the Titans. And I know it's not just all about statistics somewhere in the neighborhood of 40, some catches and 400 some yards. Like I'm not paying eight or $9 million for that. When I've got Dawson Knox on my roster, our people will start to talk and say, well, what about someone like Kyle Rudolph, right? He's gone with the Vikings. He knows, um, he knows Stefan Diggs. He's a, you know, certainly like a Walter Payton man of the year award winner, all the checks, all the boxes as far as culture goes. But, but again, am am I really looking at someone like Kyle Rudolph and saying, I'm bringing him in to play over a more dynamic, a more athletic Dawson Knox? I'm not, I'm not. Or then Zach Ertz comes up, right? And everybody wants to talk about Zach Ertz. And it's like, well, you can trade for him. You could probably get him for a six-round pick, it's an eight million-dollar contract. The guy's battled injuries. He's on the wrong side of thirty. Listen, I'm a huge fan of Zach Ertz from when he was healthy and what he could do, but but that's not a road I'm going down. And I'm certainly not talking about Hunter Henry, who I've always liked and what he's done with the Chargers. But you're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of a ten to twelve million-dollar contract per year for a guy that gets around six hundred receiving yards. There's nothing wrong with that, but not for $11, $12 million a year. The investment I make, I'll buy a jugs machine for Dawson Knox, and I'll put it in his backyard, and I'll ask him to get on Zoom and show me him working for two hours a day or whatever it is, (laughs) right, because people are concerned about the drops. Joe Marino from Locked On Bills says it all the time. The Bills are a pass-happy team and passing to their wide receivers. I am not looking for less targets going to Stefan Diggs or less targets going to Cole Beasley or less targets going to Gabe Davis or if Isaiah McKenzie comes back and if John Brown is back, I don't want less targets going to either of them either. So if Dawson Knox comes in and he can increase his production by cutting down on the drops, having a great rapport with Josh Allen, improving as a blocker in both the run game and as a pass blocker, being that red zone target on a cheap rookie deal, yeah, I'm all good with that. I'm certainly good with that. As I mentioned before, you know, that that is, patience isn't lost with Zach Moss at this time, nor should it be. Um, I was certainly early on, right, we talk about drafting a running back at pick 30. You're Sure, you know, if you can add a talent like Travis Etienne, or Najee Harris very early on, right? It's like that new shiny toy that you just, you want to get your hands on. And it's probably great, but we've seen enough from Zach Moss in the second half of the season that maybe he is that 1A where you've got someone like Devin Singletary as your 1B. Both did a good job in pass protection. Um, there had been talk from Brandon Bean again, right. It was less about the talent and more about the, the scheme and the play of the offensive line. So I'm okay to be a little bit patient with these two guys heading into year two. Cause again, I, I want the bills to run more effectively, not more often. I keep saying it a lot. I might put that on a t-shirt or something. Maybe I should call Del Reed at 26 shirts. That'd be a little wordy, but you guys get the point. Cody Ford I started to talk about before and just let the guy play one position. You know, we, we talk about the lack of patience. There was a lack of patience with Bills fans when he was a rookie playing right tackle because we just wanted him to be this great, solid right tackle fresh out of college from Oklahoma, step in and be a day one stud. Second round pick, we were expected to step in and be a day one stud. Yeah, it, do- it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. You know, we'll have patience with Josh Allen from year one to year two, or we'll, you know, say like, hey, he's got to work through some pieces. That's fine. But you should have some patience with Cody Ford as well. I don't know what his best position is, if it's guard or if it's tackle. I will trust Sean McDermott and the staff, and this just isn't a blind, you know, trust the process, blah, blah, blah. I know absolutely nothing about offensive line play. I mean, I can see a blown assignment, a missed block, a guy getting beat, all of those things, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend for a second that I know exactly where Cody Ford should be. Now, I'll talk about some consistency, and if you make a decision that he is a guard, then have him play guard and coach him to be the best guard he can be. If you decide that he is going to be right tackle, then put him at right tackle and develop him as best as you can. I look at someone like Cody Ford, and if it were me, right, just from a mindset and coaching standpoint, it would be, okay, look at Deion Dawkins offseason after his sophomore year, and what's the version of that that is going to work for Cody Ford? Because we've got a, a leader, a captain on the team, a leader on the offensive line that has been in a similar type of position before, and use that as a blueprint for a guy that you invested a second round pick in. And finally, Ed Oliver, right? Ed Oliver was the player I wanted the Bills to take at number nine in the 2019 draft. And as you come through two seasons, I mean, we certainly saw some fantastic flashes in his rookie year. That Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys, I will be honest. That, I mean, had me excited in so many ways of the player that he is and the player he can be. Did I want him to play better during his sophomore season? Of course I did. Everybody did. But when you looked at that play of the defensive line as a whole, the pieces that were missing, the exit of Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson, the addition of Butler, Jefferson, and Addison, which, honestly, right, none of those three guys hit. You sign those three guys, you're not truly expecting to go three for three. You're hoping to go two for three. You're banking on it, I mean, right? In a worst case scenario, you're thinking only one of the three hits. And really, the Bills went 0 for 3. And then, as I said before, you see him playing out of position. And what happens? Right? He's playing out of position, and you don't see that same production. So I go through all of this to say with you, it's understandable. It's not always easy to look at things and say, you know, to be patient when you're thinking about going to the Super Bowl. But having some patience from the standpoint with Oliver, Cody Ford, Devin Singletary, and Dawson Knox allows you to have four guys continuing to develop, doing the work this offseason, taking that next step going into year three, which is a critical year, on their rookie contracts that allows you to use your assets in free agency and in the draft to address areas where you don't have that youth on those rookie contracts, and you can really look at things and say, hey, yeah, you know what? We need to add a big name defensive end to pair with Jerry Hughes and A.J. Epinesa to get that pass rush that we're lacking. Okay, maybe we do need to bring in someone to replace Matt Milano. What does that look like? Is it someone in free agency? What are we going to do there? Are we going to use one of our draft picks to get somebody that could be a fit Right, we talk about guys like Jabril Cox, Zayvon Collins, oh, wow. Nick Bolton. You know what? And I know they're not all in the Milano mold, but y- you get what I'm saying, right? The depth that could be there around pick 30, and who would be an option for the Bills, or what about cornerback 2 Right, you've seen in, through four years what the the ceiling probably is with Levi Wallace. So, what are the Bills going to do there? You know, Use those assets that you have not to upgrade where you have four incredibly talented players that have shown what they can do, not with the consistency that we want yet, but having a little bit of patience going into year three where you can address those, those true needs. And we'll talk about cornerback, defensive end, linebacker, and the Bills have the assets that they can do that. All right. I think that's enough of a soapbox rant for me today. I always appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, And hey, if you have not done so yet, make sure you check out the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube page. Um, The content there is picking up. Joe Miller and the Overreaction Podcast did a great live show the other night that you can catch by visiting that page. Jay Spence the King doing different pieces. Matt Warren is going to be on That is going to be something consistent for us each and every week, starting on March 14th. Um, You do not want to miss it. It's just more Bill's content, especially going with free agency. We are going to hit it hard, and there will be a lot there that you can share. You can interact. You can ask questions live, and from that standpoint, really would love for you guys to be a part of it. So Make sure that you hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you keep following all of our great articles and coverage at buffalorumblings.com. And finally, go Bills.